Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 885 with Pedro Shanahan. It's a constant upkeep. You know, you can't just skip over it. You can't say that we're done. We figured this out. No, it's a constant growth and learning from mistakes, trying to reinvent yourself and, and be willing to make mistakes about that, too. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering, and this is because Chow Now helps their restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. With Chow Now, take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site, and there are no setup fees or monthly payments. And what I really love about Chow Now is that you get to own your customer data. This is something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And when you schedule a demo, don't forget to ask about leveling up with Chow Now Direct, Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up today at chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. With Margin Edge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. And who likes data entry? No one. So you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with Margin Edge. They will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail. Don't worry about tech integration either because Margin Edge allows you to seamlessly connect your POS and accounting systems and get a daily P&L. And on top of all of this, Margin Edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes. Plus, you can compare actual costs versus theoretical costs. Head to MarginEdge.com slash Unstoppable to sign up for a free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for 30 days. No contract, no setup fee. Plus, you'll get free unlimited training and support. That's MarginEdge.com slash Unstoppable. Now, I know you know about Plate IQ, but do you know about Plate IQ's new spend management feature? Okay, let me tell you about it. Plate IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Plate IQ card. With Plate IQ card, there's no credit check, no minimum bank balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card issued easily. And I've got to tell you that with Plate IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And you cannot forget that Plate IQ still offers bill pay, incredible insights, and custom approval workflows. To learn more, head to plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save 25% off implementation. What up, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today, but a quick reminder, this podcast does need your support. You can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links. You can share this sucker with everybody you know, and you can come hang out in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. 
Today, we're talking to Pedro Shanahan, who had about 10 years of working in the bar industry before joining the Seven Grand Whiskey Bar in downtown Los Angeles, one of said Moses's uh, many bars. And Pedro joined the team as a bar back. And even though he was an amazing bar back and he excelled and they offered him a bartending position, he turned it down because he wanted to be just a supportive staff member. Uh, He thrives in supportive roles and that's what he wanted to do uh but pedro took it to 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 like the next level and took it upon himself to learn all he could about whiskey and then he would take that knowledge that he learned and he would pay it forward and share with his coworkers. and eventually this bled into sharing this knowledge with the guests and he earned the title spirit guide and his passion for learning and sharing knowledge about spirits led to the whiskey society a community of whiskey enthusiasts in los angeles this effort led to the formation of the spirit society podcast as well and on top of all this pedro spearheaded the pouring with heart wellness program and uh, with this program he encourages other team members to kind of find their passion and to bring that passion to the collective and to create culture around this within the bar group the pouring with heart bar group uh and that's kind of what we're here to do today is to show you guys that anyone from the general manager to the owner or partner uh, to the executive chef to a bar back or a hostess or a server can add to the culture of your restaurant. You just have to give them an opening. So that's what we're going to talk about today is how do you get frontline employees to kind of take their passion and lean into their passion and to use that passion to create community within your organization and with your guests. So it's ton of great advice in today's episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. Here it is. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest spirit guide and growth support manager and career barback at Pouring with Heart, Peter, aka Pedro Shanahan. My man, Pedro, are you feeling unstoppable today? I'm feeling unstoppable. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm dressed. I'm up. <laughs> I love it, dude. So I cannot wait uh, to dive into your story. Um, I mean, what you're doing, uh, how you're kind of challenging the status quo for the, the bar back position, uh, how pouring with heart in general is challenging the status quo. Uh, we're going to dive into all that, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? One of my favorite quotes is from one of the founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin, and that is persistence and energy overcomes all. Persistence and energy overcomes all. Get into that, and that's that's resonating with me, but get into it first. Yeah, just that if, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. was often asked, like, how can you be doing these marches where you've got people who are just they want to kill you. They're like actively hating you. How do you respond with that? And he would always tell his groups that he was, you know, an activist with that. You come at them with a compulsion of love, like as much hate as they're throwing, you come back at that with just an overwhelming compulsion of love. And that energy, that continuance is, how you succeed, you know, and that's what that quote is about to me is that if we just show up and keep doing the right thing, then we can make this company, you know, something that people will want to be a part of, but you, you have to live it. You have to keep coming at it with this energy constantly 
trying to make shit better is what we say in our in our company. Listening to you talk reminds me of two individuals I've had on the show. Actually, one individual I've had on the show and another individual who I'd love to have on the show, but is constantly referenced. The first, I'm, I'm going to make an example of Johnny Caraba in, uh, from Caraba's Italian Grill. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, uh, but he said it's all about enthusiasm. Whatever energy you walk into in a room, either you're going to bring people up or you're going to bring them down. But you have to be mindful of the energy you're bringing in into a room every time you walk in, and you have to have that enthusiasm. And the other part of this is Danny Meyer, constant gentle pressure. So if you're constantly bringing that positive energy, and you're constantly lifting people up. And I think that extends beyond just the energy you're bringing, but also if you're trying to accomplish anything, just continue to show up and stay positive and have faith. And it might not happen overnight, but in 20 years, you'll look back and you'll say, holy crap, look how far I've come. That's right. We have one of our core values that one of our shared values that we talk about a lot is uh, one that said probably showed you his tattoo. It's a little horseshoe that says, well, fuck. Yep. I want to get one. (laughs) That that shared value is we fail forward. So understanding that all great inventors, they fail along the way. You have to be willing to fail and learn from your mistakes in order to create new things. And so that's a constant mantra with us is we fail forward. Like it's okay to have mistakes. It's okay to stumble along the way. Just get up and keep moving. Yeah. And I don't mean to get super deep right out of the gates of this interview, but like you're reminding me of something else. That's um, like, what is what a frigging question I'm, I'm about to ask you, right? Like, what is life? Like, what is the meaning of life? What is life? And not that I expect you to answer that question, but they're coming out with information right now and they're realizing that no, life, whether it's conscious, they're saying all life is conscious is one thing they're starting to, they don't, they're not stating this as fact, but they're really exploring that as a possibility because they're starting to realize that wherever there's life probability and odds bend in favor of life. And in order to change the future, you have to be aware of the present. You have to be self-aware. You ha- and like, we, there's so much we don't know. And I guess where I'm going with this is this idea: we are all alive, and there's something about life that has the power to bend probability and to dictate futures. And in when you're mindful of it, that's all that's happening. And it takes persistence, and I think just positive energy. And it's amazing what you can accomplish. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's like, it's, it's fascinating. What's going through your mind? I don't know what the meaning of life is. I don't expect but you to know. <laughs> I, I, I suspect to me, it's, it's like the question begs like, well, why are we here? Why are we conscious? And I would think that like the, the obstacle we have is like how to get along And so, therefore, the purpose of life, in my mind, is how can we figure out how to get along with one another? We're all here. We're all living. We're all conscious. We have this precious little planet that we're sharing space on. How can we make that work? How can we end war? How can we make it so that people aren't suffering so much? How can we create a world in which people have equity and and 
fairness and food and you know like yeah. the whole purpose of life is to figure out how to make this thing yes. work how can we all get along yeah man and anybody who's listening to the show recently especially knows the whole mission of this podcast is to transform the industry and to bring people to this level of thinking because i do think that it's going to be the restaurant industry that transforms the world because of the, the influence we have and uh, we don't need to get into that right now but why don't we go into your story man where does it make sense to start sharing your story what were you doing before pouring with heart I was working in the bar business. I'm an actor and a musician. And so always trying to hustle and get auditions, always trying to get more gigs for the band, things like that. And uh, the bar industry offered me a, a flexibility, you know, like because in the restaurant business, you can get people to sub your shifts on short notice often. People are willing to pick up that extra shift because there's tips involved. There's cash to be had. So having that as part of my life was enabling me to be an artist. And I was working with a, a general manager who was the first general manager at seven grand in downtown Los Angeles, Aiden Demarest, who uh, he and I had been working in bars together for 10 years before we opened up seven grand. I'd worked with him at the knitting factory, Hollywood and a couple of restaurants here on Beverly Boulevard in LA uh, the authentic cafe and red before that. And at that time, this is, you know, 20 years ago, the kind of emerging scene in the LA restaurant world was fresh squeezed juice programs and being able to like have a really good cocktail at your restaurant. And that was one of the things we were doing together. And we brought that to seven grand, a fresh squeezed juice program, but we were also seeking to make a, a high volume bar. We wanted seven grand this, to be this like big, whiskey bar that would offer people this amazing wall of whiskeys to explore, but also classic cocktails and just really doing them right. And, you know, making it an old fashioned that doesn't involve a maraschino cherry, you know, that's bleached and dyed bright red, you know, muddled with an orange slice. No, doing the real old fashioned and going back to like just the core classics and being able to do that in a way that is high volume, you know, like, when the bar is rocking, you can be cranking. And that, that was the goal. Yeah. You said that you worked with this bar manager, this GM. What was his name again? Aiden Demarest. Aiden. Um, for 10 years before working with him at seven grand, uh, this is where you two uh, came together and crossed paths with said Moses for the first time. Is that correct? Yeah. Said hired Aiden and Aiden just brought me along. So and at that time I had been doing a lot of, uh, private bartending gigs. There's a lot of opportunities in Los Angeles to do like you're a solo bartender working at like a celebrity's house for a party or something, you know, where you show up with this van full of booze, you set up a little bar, you do the whole thing, load in, do the service, just one bartender and then load everything out. And, uh, that's, you know, you have to sign NDAs to not to tell people where you were and what you saw and things like that. And I was, kind of burnt out um, on bartending. And so when we started Seven Grand, I, I wanted to kind of reinvent myself. As, as artists do, you constantly have to be reinventing yourself as an artist, and as you know the same. Um, but I wanted to kind of go back to being a bar back to discover that love for what I was doing again. I was feeling like 
I didn't want to have to be the, the point person dealing with all the customers. I wanted to set up the bartenders to really rock and make sure that they had everything they need to succeed. And and we needed someone also to, to learn about the wall of whiskeys. Like Aiden put me in charge of like, well, we're trying to grow this back bar from 250 whiskeys to, you know, a thousand. So what whiskeys do we buy? How do we figure this out? And so I just started doing tastings with the reps as they came in and just trying to better educate my own palate. And then in turn, being able to explain my experiences to the bar crew and, and help them improve their palates so that when people come in and they see this, you know, thousand whiskeys on the wall that you can help lead them to the spirit that they're going to love just by asking a few questions like what kind of palate do you have do you like spicy things do you like sweet things do you order dessert when you go out to dinner or do you like sour things do you like salty things you know so you can kind of ahead of time guide people and that was how i started becoming the spirit guide okay so oh i get it okay this all makes sense now i love the the play on words i never made that connection until this point but what, i'm curious what was different about this experience you said you were working in bars for 10 years before this point before joining uh, the team over at seven grand what was different about how said in pouring with heart um i know you guys weren't called pouring with heart then but that's what you're you know what how was this experience different than your previous experiences well, it was a whiskey bar and it, with a single spirit focus. And that was something that was kind of new. Like, first of all, we were moving into downtown at a time when we first opened Seven Grand, there were no other businesses open on that street on 7th and Grand after 6 p.m. Like, downtown just pretty much shut up at night. And there was the Golden Gopher two blocks away over on 8th and Olive. But really, we were like these little islands, but we just stood our ground and, and became anchor properties for the revitalization of downtown Los Angeles. Said was able to, you know, work with the Chamber of Commerce and leverage some relationships into being able to open up 10 bars is what his original goal was. And so we got into these long-term leases and gradually started bringing, helping to bring downtown back to life at a time when it was really desolate down there. And now it's popping you yeah. know like thousands of people live down there now and like you know there's more people living down there than, than anyone could have envisioned down you know so seven grand changed. came after golden gopher golden gopher was 2001 yes and we were about four and a half years later i believe okay so the year now is like 2004 2005 is the reference point um but what about what said was doing and how he was running his business versus other bars you've worked in i'm talking about culture and the way he, he did things versus other people? Or was he still kind of evolving at this point, do you think? Very much. We, we've been learning along the way together. That's the whole deal. Like with the We Fail Forward, that's a big we. That's all of us together trying to create this culture. You can't just put a poster on the wall and say, like, those are our shared values and let's go. You know, it's a, it's a constant upkeeping. It's a constant work of love. And I don't think said had that complete vision from the very beginning is something we discovered along the way. I mean, he, he comes from an artist family. His father is Ed Moses, very famous Los Angeles artist. And so having that background, I think gives him an open mind to creative ideas. Mm. And we are constantly experimenting and reinventing the bars and tinkering and trying to get better. And, and that's, 
a, a key part of it. And then as we started getting bigger, we realized that we need to grow the actual structure, like have some shared values that we can all talk about and, and rally around so that as we grow, we feel connected. I love this, man. So a couple of things are going through my mind as you're saying this. Um, one, I want to get through this idea of creative influence or like seeing the world through a different creative lens. And I think one thing that the restaurant industry and the bar industry are notoriously guilty of is doing the same, doing it the same way over and over and over and over again. We're like, this is how you do it. You know, this is, this is the model and copy and repeat. And we never, we never challenge the status quo. We never say how, how can we do this differently? What, what are the better ways to do this? Uh, we just kind of repeat what was taught before us. You know, we just kind of do that. And said coming in with his, you said, you know, he had his creative background. Uh, he also had a, I think a background in finance, correct? Where, you know, when you see people who aren't restaurant people make a splash in the restaurant industry and they have kind of, that haven't never really developed those bad habits, they just turn everything upside down and they they challenge the status quo. And it seems like that's what was happening here. For sure. It was all about, you know, uh, our, our key shared value is for each other. And the idea was that we're going to create this company, but we didn't want to cookie cutter things. We want to constantly be serving the communities that we grow into. So like if you take over a little bar like Golden Gopher, you know, one of the key things about our business model, which set us apart and that I remember is that said does come from a finance background. He's a numbers guy. And traditionally in the bar business, a lot of times, they're like little mom pop neighborhood bars that, you know, they have their regulars and the, the owners are working there and they're giving out some free drinks to their regulars, but they don't write it down, you know, and it's a liquid world that can get you really caught really fast if you're just giving away booze. So what we do is really simple. We just do better accounting. Mm-hmm. Like we give our bartenders comp tabs so they can solve problems. Just keep track of it. It's okay to give away a round of drinks to a group of people who are upset about something. Let's make it better. Let's make them feel better about their, their life in this moment here. How do you do that? Well, just write it down, ring it in, you know, and we can claim it as a promotion or you can write it off. But having that attention to the accounting side really, it, makes it so that your you know the your margin is there it's yeah. solid you yeah. know what i mean it's well, so you can tough account, in the you cannot account business. for it <laughs> you know yeah. like and you can know what you have to charge to be profitable if that's your culture if giving away drinks is your culture um and you know you can figure out what extra you have to charge to, to be profitable but if you're just losing it and you don't know where it's going it's hard to account um um, is there a process for that? I'm curious. Like, do do you guys have? Are there guidelines? Are you just like, hey, bartenders, if you feel like it, give away a drink, just write it down. Or are there limits? Are there like, sure, how do sure. you manage that? Instead of because I can see that kind of getting a little too willy nilly. You got to have some kind of guardrail, do you not? Right. Well, the the general manager will oversee it. They're seeing the back end, and they're they're able to run analytics and see what we're giving away. But just generally having giving a bartender like a twenty five to $30 tab each night to, to solve problems with, to make, you know, like we want to compel regulars. We're building regulars all the time. That's the other key thing is like good accounting and know what your mark is. Your mark is to build regulars. You want people to feel like it's their bar that they, that's, 
that's the bar I always go to and I feel like at home there and creating that space and it's just a matter of just keeping track of it you know but yeah you set a limit like say $30 a night it's not necessarily there's plenty of nights the bartender doesn't give away any drinks or maybe they just give away one yeah but being conscious of it. We also employ a third party to come in at seven grand and weigh all the bottles. So we're really keeping track of inventory very specifically. And so if a bunch of booze goes missing, we know about it and we can start to trace it as to when it happened, you know, like who's, who's working the bar that night? How come we like flew through 40 bottles of Jameson? Like what, what happened? You know, like, <laughs> just track it, right? Uh, so this other thing that you track mentioned, it. I want to dive a little bit more into before we move forward is this idea of transformation. Um, and one thing I've learned is that transformation, I think, I think sometimes people think outside in when it comes to transformation, they're on the outside working in on this thing. How can we change this thing from the outside in? But one of the things I've learned is transformation comes from the inside out. Um, and if you're trying to transform a community and that where I'm going with this is how you guys transformed the downtown LA community. Uh, you got to get into the community. You got to be at the core of, you got to be in the middle, which is where you guys went. You were right into the middle of downtown and you transformed it from the inside out. Get into that process of transforming community and how you did this with bars. Yeah. Well, it's about creating that, environment in which everyone is welcome. Um, you know, you walk into Seven Grand. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's on the second floor. You walk up and you're suddenly transformed. You're in this space. that's like an old hunt lodge. But, you know, like if you're like a young Asian kid or a young Latino kid or a Latinx kid or a, a young black person, you may not have – that might feel like a little bit of a foreign world to you, you know? And so how do you – Throw out that love right there where it's like, you are welcome here. This is your space. We built this bar for you. Everyone in L.A. is welcome here. Like L.A. is a beautifully cosmopolitan place with people of all different kinds of backgrounds. And we wanted to make sure that every time someone walked in the door, they knew they were welcome, that this was their place. It might look like something out of Scotland, but we brought it to you. We built it for you. Yeah. So how do you do that? Get into the details. And I know you wrote down some notes here before to kind of help steer today's conversation. You talk about creating win-win relationships. You just talk about taking care of people. Uh, and if you take care of the people, they'll take care of the customers, but really pull back the layers and give me examples of how you do this. Well, we talk a lot about heads up bartending so that if your bar is busy, you don't just put your head down and just go through it. Like, you know, I'm in the weeds. I'm just going to power through and kind of shut down, that's the time to actually start looking up more so that you're making eye contact with people as they come in and, and be giving them welcome. Like, hey, welcome. Saying it. Like, shout across the room. Be like, hey, welcome. Come on. Let's talk whiskey or let's talk mezcal or let's talk rum. We've opened single spirit bars is one of the things we do. We've got seven grand whiskey bar, but then we opened Las Perlas Mezcaleria, and now we've got... Uh, locations also in West Hollywood and in Texas, in Austin, uh, and then also Kanye Rum Bar, so that people can choose their spirit and really dive in. And so that's how we kind of, it's it's education as well as community. We want to make sure that everyone feels welcome. And if they want to nerd out, we'll nerd out with them. We'll, we'll sit down and talk about spirits and go deep and like add a sense of history and a sense of place. And that's what really makes people feel welcome if you give them a space that's like 
it feels like something important in their life, you know? So it's easy to say this like to your team, like, Hey guys, like today I want you to educate the staff. I want you to bring people in. I want you to make them feel welcome, but how do you bake this into your organization? So it happens every day. Like, do you, are there triggers? Are there like, are there, I don't like, like how do you go from just saying, I want you to do this and then actually having, having it happen day and day and day consistently for a long time. Cause it took you guys a long time. It wasn't like, Hey, let's do this and transform downtown LA. It took you years of persistence. Yeah. So how do you bake that into your culture? Monthly workshops. We do monthly workshops at all of our bars where the GM is holding a meeting, but it's not like what you're talking about. Like, telling people how things need to be done. We, we implore like the Harkness table method, which is create a circle, an egalitarian forum for people to communicate with. Our crews are great. Let them solve the problems. You don't have to tell them what to do. Why don't you ask them what needs to be done mm. as opposed to telling them, you know, and let the, the family solve the problems as a group, you know, and it, it's tough. It's not easy. Some people, you know, just because you create a circle, doesn't mean that you erase status. You know what I mean? So it's really important to be aware of the fact that people from different backgrounds might not feel comfortable just sitting next to their boss and speaking their feelings. So how do we make it so that they do feel like they can speak truth to power? Okay. I mean, how you can't, you can't have an anti-racist company if you're not aware of people's traumas and be willing to like, if someone's coming from kind of a, a different background that they might need more encouragement to speak up and you have to create that safe space in order to have real communication happen so that people can speak truth to power no matter where they're coming from so that makes sense so you have these like monthly meetings or monthly workshops where you're creating the space you're putting it on the calendar or is there framing to the workshop is there like a, a a template that you guys use where like there's structure and you're just kind of setting the space, putting the people in the space and saying, go for it. Well, yeah, the Harkness circle is, is just that you create a circle where you're all sitting on the same level and looking at each other. We do a family meal. We order lunch for everybody and everybody sits there and you just start asking questions. It's not for the general manager to tell people what to do It's to ask people how we can make things better. And, and really just trying to keep, that nurturing safe space every month, like ringing that bell, bringing people together and be like, we're a family guys. Let's, let's work it out. Good, the bad and the ugly, whatever's going on. Let's, let's hash it out. Like don't hide from the problems. Let's solve them together. Let's be transparent. Let's be open and, and also be conscious of people's traumas. Again, you have to take into account that not everybody is going to feel comfortable in that circle. And so how do you, ask them how do you make them feel safe you know yeah um so it sounds like what you do is at the core of it, it was you uh said in i don't know this gm uh aiden Aiden, so you yeah. guys had an inherent passion for this work you're doing you're you're diving into the whiskeys you're learning about the whiskeys um how do you get your team to buy into the stuff where that, that that they catch the bug, where they care about it just as much as you do, where they want to start learning, and then they in turn share it with the guest? Well, you know, we said talks about in his book "Porn with Heart." There's 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 chemical get backs that you get from being that bartender who's throwing out that love 
and really, you know, trying to recognize people's body language. You know, how do you read someone who comes in if they're having a hard day? Like, can you tell from their body language what's going on and how do you help them out? You know, like drawing people into this nurturing place and, you know, it's, it kind of reminds me of what I mentioned earlier with, uh, Johnny Caraba talking about enthusiasm, your enthusiasm for the work, your enthusiasm just to be there in your energy, but also for the work you're doing and for your passion, that stuff is contagious. Uh, if you, if, if you're at the core of this organization, if you're at the center of it and you are geeking out and you love it, you're going to attract onto yourself those people naturally that share that energy with you or, or rise to your level. I think it's just, a, but in order to, to bring more people up with you, you know, you, you got to stay there. You know, you can't just be there one day and then fall down and not care and then realize things are slipping and go back there six months later. You got to be there every day. Um, so what do you think? That's of, right. So what was it's, that? Well, there's, there's a couple things like obviously there's money involved. So by building regulars, you're going to make more tips. But then also by having this compassion built into the way you do things, you're getting serotonin, which is that feeling of belonging. The, it's the reward your brain gives you when you work together with people. And then also oxytocin, that love vibe. Like you do start to feel the love and that's what propels you. And then the shared values, they become like mantras that you can use. I, I know myself, I'm, I'm an artist. I'm, I consider myself a compassionate person. And I think that anyone who's a compassionate person feels pain when they look around in the world and you want to make it better, you know, and, so that constant, like one of our shared values is we embrace humility and gratitude. And that for me is like, that's a mindfulness exercise where you can take a deep belly breath when you're in the weeds, calm yourself down a minute and be like, okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm doing this. This is, this is my act of service. Yeah. And, and that, that gives you a, a charge, you know, like having love makes more love. Yeah. Know? I'm loving this conversation, man. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we're going to be right back to kind of unpackage this transformation you went through of just being a bar back to being a real, you know, true spirit guide, as you call it. And uh, I want to pull back some more layers on this idea of we embrace humility and gratitude and how that helped you overcome certain things in the organization and in life. So we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering. This is because Chow Now helps restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. Here's how it works. Chow Now clients get listed on the free Chow Now marketplace. Once they're there, they can meet new customers and take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site. There is no setup fee or monthly payment. Now, this is what I really love about Chow Now. You get access to valuable customer data, which allows you to personalize the experience and the relationship with your guests. In other words, you own the relationship with your guests, something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And we cannot wrap up this message without telling you about how to level up with Chow Now Direct. Chow Now Direct is Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing 
package. With Chow Now Direct, you get your own branded ordering app for iPhone or Android, email and print marketing, plus POS integration and much more. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up at www.chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. All right, we're back, and I want to dive into your evolution as a bar back, um, how you went from bar back to spirit guide, and I love that, how you guys call it a spirit guide, and um, and then I think we'll naturally progress into this idea of embracing humility and gratitude, but what's, what, as I say this, what's going through your mind, that evolution for you, like, well, my title originally was kind of tongue-in-cheek, we started doing uh, whiskey tastings. We created the Whiskey Society in the back room at Seven Grand as a way to engage our guests on a deeper level. If people wanted to really nerd out, they could go do these tastings. And at that time, the whiskey boom was just starting up and companies were putting a lot of money into brand ambassadors who were going out and trying to educate the public about the spirits that, you know, that they make. And we were hosting these events for the public. And to me, that's it was really, really fun. I, that really energized me because uh, you're creating that community forum where it's everyone sitting together and discussing ideas about their own experience. You know, like, what are you smelling and tasting? Let's share ideas. And like, what a wonderful way to kind of create community with a little bit of booze, takes the edge off of things, but you're also communicating ideas as a community, you know, and that was really, really fun. Um, and I started hosting these events and we gradually started doing them at the other single spirit bars over at Kanye Rum Bar and also uh, Las Prelas, um, doing mezcal tastings and rum tastings every week. So rapidly, I started doing like three tastings a week. And I did that for like nine or 10 years, like 150 events. But that was like my lifeblood. I loved the interaction of being in, in that community forum and 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 asking questions so that people would share their experiences and have their voices heard and, and inspire each other, you know, and my title of spirit guide came about because I actually, I teach yoga too. That's another thing. And so the GM at the time at seven grand, David Fleischer, he gave me the title of spirit guide because he thought it was funny that uh, I can heal people from the yoga with the whiskey or I can heal people from the whiskey with the yoga. (laughs) I love that though, but I mean, you're, you're, you keep on saying the word community and that's really what you're doing is you're not just a bar, you're a community of, of people to come together, like-minded people to come together. And when you bring people together, not only are you like, are they growing in an affinity with your bar, but they're also, like you said, they're giving you ideas. They're doing the work for you and you're just paying attention, right? Give me some example of some of the ideas that you got from just hosting these events and these tastings. Well, we just... We didn't know that single spirit bars were going to work, you know. We we had to rediscover that as as a company, you know. Like you can have a bar that's all about rum, you can have a bar that's all about mezcal, and so you know that enthusiasm came from the people. That's by creating a community hub, it 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 the love grows exponentially, and that's what really we were trying to do. And then as we expanded, we started you know opening more neighborhood bars and understanding that well maybe that's not. It's not the same as like a mezcal bar or a whiskey bar, but it can still be a community hub. You can go into these spaces and, you know, make them such a, you just, we're not really, we don't try to like make a bunch of TGI Fridays or anything like that. We, we move into these bars and we try to take what they have and, 
and continue it. Well, often we don't even change the name of the venue. We keep it the same. Like the folks want to retire. They're like, I want to sell my bar. But we're like, well, King B in Austin. I was just thinking of King B. I, I, I didn't, and I didn't realize we, the last time we talked, um, I spent some time at King B. I love that bar. When I found out they were closing, it was heartbroken. But dude, my heart just tripled in size when I realized you guys were taking over it because I know it's going to only continue to be just as good, if not grow from where they were, man. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. Yeah, well, we're not trying to gentrify the bar. You know what I mean? We're trying to like keep it the same, make it, it you know, it's like a lot of traditionally a lot of black people went to that bar. So how do you keep that? You know, how do you just make it better? Like fix the roof, fix the plumbing, take better accounting of the numbers and keep it the same. Make that community hub invigorated, you know, don't change it. Yeah. Keep, keep the love of the community alive and grow it. Yeah. Nurture it. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so when we first started talking, um, what really stood out to me about you is that you are a bar back by choice. Yeah. Uh, so what is different about what you do as a bar back versus what other bars might or might treat or, or look at as a bar back? Well, it's really, you know, trying to hone in on what your bartender needs, like having people's backs. That to me is fun, like giving people support, making them successful, giving them everything they need to create success for themselves. You know, like having people's back where they feel supported and that they they can thrive. Like I love that feeling, you know, and it I do it's too, contagious, man. like you say. Like and we just try to create that with our bar barbacks is barbacking is tough. You know, you're you're creating you're doing all the juicing you're cleaning up people's puke you know you're like you're doing the dirty work of the bar but like we really try to empower all of our barbacks to understand that when we hire a barback or a security host to work the door we have the vision that we want those people to potentially be a general manager of a bar because we're going to grow these bars we're going to have a bunch more bars so we want, we need to move people up we need to hire from within and so we want to give that starts out at that entry level position so that the bar back understands all the minutiae of how a bar runs. Like when the soda gun runs out, like what is it? Is it the gas? Is it the pump? Is it the water? Like knowing how to troubleshoot in real time, like, oh, the ice machine's broken again. Well, call up an ice company and get something delivered because we've got service to do, you know, and really that propels our folks to be better general managers because they're not just coming in from a point of authority being like, well, I managed Applebee's or whatever. No, they've started off as a bar back. They know the down and dirty, the nitty gritty of how a bar works and they know how tough it is from yeah. firsthand experience. And that creates that humility and gratitude so that you can be a better leader. But it starts with that vulnerability of knowing that you know it's it's on your shoulders you got to make this thing work you know and it kind of it reminds me of thomas keller in the french laundry where no matter who you are what pedigree you come from where you, where you came from you if you get hired at the french laundry your first role is a food runner you know like you could have been the executive chef at another restaurant but you're a food runner here until you climb the ladder and you learn how we do things and um and i think that's a, a good lesson if you're hiring for a bartender start them at the bar back teach them everything about that bar and how you do things and let them graduate graduate to that role um and i also love this idea of just like you're literally have their backs you're a supportive role 
and helping them see it that way instead of just like waiting for the ice to get low and filling it up. Like how else can you help that person in this moment? How can you be ahead of somebody needing something? Like how do you anticipate needs, right? That's what a server does. That's what the restaurant industry does. But how do you do that for your colleagues? Uh, I think the host position is a great place to kind of elevate this role and also in the barback position, but you chose to stay a barback. Um, what was the reason for that? When, cause I'm sure they offered you a bartending position at some point. Like, do you want to be a bartender? You're like, you said, no, I want to stay here. And, um, what, what, why, why did you make that decision? I wanted to focus on education too. You know, like I wanted to learn about the different spirits that we were selling and be able to impart that knowledge and share it with the people that come through our doors. And, and also help the bartenders better understand it so they could do the same. And that was a lot of work. You know, we do these monthly workshops, but there's work that goes into the workshops. You know, we're going to do a, we're going to taste through Irish whiskeys today, guys, or let's explore Canadian whiskeys, or let's, you know, we're going to taste a bunch of Tobala mezcals, or, you know, we're going to taste rums from Mexico or whatever it is, like doing a deep dive with the staff. And, and it's fun, you know, and also playing games, you know, during our workshops, we'll, we'll, you know, we do like speed trials for the bartenders and, and we involve the barbacks as well. So they are training themselves, like how to anticipate needs, like how fast can you reset the well after a round of speed trials, you know, and we time the bartenders, how fast can you, when someone makes a call for Abel hour 16, how fast can you, do you know where that is on the wall behind you? You know what I mean? Like where, because we've got the regions of Scotland and we've got bourbons and rise and, you know, they're all in their sections on the wall. Like, do you, do you know the wall without looking? Do you have a sense of how to turn around and get up that ladder and back down 10 seconds, you know, like fun things like that. But um, it's, it's a constant upkeep. You yeah. know, you can't just skip over it. You can't say that we're done. We figured this out. No, it's a constant growth and learning from mistakes, trying to reinvent yourself and, and be willing to make mistakes about that too. Yeah. Like you just said something that I want to dive into. You said, you can't just say it's done and leave it at that. And I think that's where most of the industry goes wrong as they say, you're the bar back. This is your job description make sure the ice is full make sure you're re you know, this is how you tap a keg. You're doing all these things, but it stops there and they don't encourage people to take it beyond that. Um, whereas what you clearly do, like you were, you wore the bar back and then you, for you, like this idea of having people's back extended beyond service, uh, like, like the actual like service of that night, like the, you doing your expectation, your expected, your expected roles, you said, I want to take it to the next level. I want to teach. I want to learn. I want to host these events. And how do we encourage that in our own bars and restaurants where we encourage people to take it beyond the minimum expectation to do more, to add value? It seems like that's something that's very common in your bars. So how do we recreate that in our own bars? Well, we, one of our other shared values is stay weird. And so you find someone who's got a natural interest for it. They, you, you're just listening to your people and you find someone that like, I want to nerd out about beers. I want to talk to people. So well, fine. Let's do a beer society and you're going to be the host, figure it out. Let's work on it. Let's, let's make some plans here. You know, like encouraging people's weirdnesses and, and, and recognizing what their natural proclivities are so that you can nurture those things. You know, like someone wants to be a host, like nurture that, you know, it's a little different path, but uh, we want that. We want that weirdness with that unique quality. Cause that's what people, because we human beings, like 
we're weird. We, <laughs> we're messy. Yeah. Uh, we have like a lot of varied interests. And so how do you create a safe space for that? And, and, and also, you know, it's, a lot has to do with like inclusion. Like we want more women bartenders. Well, if you're going to enter everybody in as a bar back, and you've got like this five foot two woman who's expected to like lift up kegs on her own and stuff. Well, how do you, how do you solve that? You know what I mean? You have to make extra energy to make it so well, then we're going to, we're going to hire her, but we're going to also make sure that she never has to pick up a keg by herself. We're going to have her on shifts where someone can work with her and together they can do the keg. So you're not putting them into a, a tough situation. You you have to go that extra mile to make inclusivity happen. Like I said, like if you want to create an anti-racist business, you have to go the extra mile. You have to, you know, be my, more diverse in your hiring and also nurture those people more who might feel like a little marginalized where they, they don't feel like they have an entry point. Yeah. And so you, you have to give them extra nurturance, extra help. That's what equity is. Equity is not just like providing a, a, level playing field it's like lifting people up who might not feel comfortable even coming to the field you know what i mean and i keep on referring to as a barback i know that your role with poor with heart goes beyond barbacking you're a part of so many of these initiatives around wellness and just education and i want to graduate to really kind of learn from you how we can recreate that in our businesses but for people who are listening to this right now before we get to that point and they have these roles in their business, bar back or host, like these these supportive roles where you're you know you're not the the star, but you're supporting the stars, the servers and the bartenders. I mean, there's a certain expectation like we discussed earlier, where like do your job, you know, make the reservations, seat people at their tables, uh, you know, fill the ice, all these things, but. To the people who are listening right now who have these roles, who who put – I would think of it as like putting a cap on these roles. Like you're, you're putting a cap on these roles and all you expect is people to do that job. But how do you how do you go from that to, hey, there's so much more. Like what are your interests? What are your strengths? How can you contribute more than just what we are paying you to do right in, in this job title? Like how do you get to that next stage? Well, we have – in our company, we have, we've got people support. Which is not HR. It's it's we, we have a third company that a third party that does HR for us, but internally we've got people support, which is designed to help people on their career journey. So we open up that conversation right from the hire, even from the screening interviews, being like, Yeah, you're gonna start off working security host at the door, but if you wanna be a general manager of a bar someday, we can help you track it. But you have to ask questions. Again, like instead of just telling people the way things are gonna be, why don't you ask them Mm. the way they want things to be and learn? And and that's you know, you set out this career journey, but first you have to ask people what they wanna do. Where did where do you what do you see? And maybe they haven't thought about it. Well then ask more questions and we yeah. can map it out together, you know? And I think it goes back to that mentality of the win, win, win situation where like you're hiring somebody to do a job, but what are they aside from a paycheck getting, how are they advancing their careers moving and growing as an individual and a person? How are you supporting that? And I think that's what we got to ask ourselves is okay. Like I'm here. You're not here to serve me and my business. I'm here to serve you. And in serving you, you will serve my business, right? That's right. Well, you're, we're trying to restore nobility to service, but you have to do that through support. So we're trying to get 
health insurance for all of our employees, not just the full-timers, because a lot of people work part-time. We're trying to, we provide a wellness program where people are doing shared activities that don't involve drinking, <laughs> you know, like we've got a cycling club, we've got a tennis club, we've got a fringe club, we've got, uh, I teach yoga and it's free. People can jump on a Zoom link twice a week and, and do power yoga with me. We've got a bartender who leads meditation if people want to do meditation, you know, and it's, it's, we're still growing all of that, but we, we want to have 401ks for all of our employees. You know what I mean? Like you have to put your money where your mouth is. You can't just say that like, yeah, we don't need a union because everybody is so happy to be here. Well, no, you got to lay it out for people. We Through the wellness program, we offer uh, workshops in which is like how to do your taxes as a bartender, uh, how to save up to buy a home which is really hard in California, but in, yeah. in some of the other markets, you can you could be a bartender and, and buy a home, you know, if you are careful with your money. Like giving our staffs the tools they need to be successful humans outside of the bars, you know, wellness programs that like really enrich people's lives and give them answers to questions that they may have. And, you know, like maybe some people enter into the bar business because they feel like a misfit. They feel like they couldn't work a corporate job. They would never be able to fit in that world. So how can we provide a world for them to thrive in, you yeah. know, and, and respect the differences and the diversity of all these different people coming in and creating safe spaces where people can grow and, and create a career that like is rewarding financially and inspiring spiritually as well. Yeah. And healthy. You know, like it's, we live in a high risk, um, it's bartending you know you're you're drinking way more than most people do you're eating takeout in the middle of the night you're staying up late how do we preserve the health of our dearest asset which is our people our family we have to keep them healthy and it's not just physically healthy but mental health as well yeah. and recognizing traumas and 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 working through it with people you know trying to really create a family Yes, man. I love this. I really do. And when I talk about transforming the restaurant industry, this is exactly what I'm talking about is not just being a job, not, not barely covering people's most, like most basic insecurities, like food in a, a, a roof over your head. Like, you need to do more than that. You know, like, like Chip Connolly says, you need to focus at the, t the tip of the peak of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is personal growth, self, my purpose in life, and then work your way down to, uh, just to learning and growing. And then from there to just the most other basic things, like just being seen and valued. But it starts by focusing at the tip and asking on day one, where do you want to be? What do you want your purpose to be? And then you reverse engineer it within the organization. And, and be creative. Like it's, uh, we just read a book together as a people support that was uh, the dream manager. It's like, how could you make people dreams come true? You know what I mean? Like, let's think big here. What's your big, hairy, audacious goal for people? Like, let's make people's dreams come true. How can we do it? You know? And yeah. it's just the way you construct your company. You're, you're making money. How you, how do you utilize those resources? Yeah. You can create a company any way you want to. It's your company. Why why can't we build it in a in a way that everybody wins? What why why we why do we choose greed? Why do we choose why do we choose why do we choose me over us? You know, yeah. I, I'm loving this dude. One more quick break to thank our sponsors, and then I would really like to kind of break down um, the programs you're responsible for. So I know it's wellness. I know it's the spirits. Uh, 
uh, clubs or I can't remember quite what you call them. Um, societies. Thank you very the single, much. The single spirit societies. Yeah. So we're going to dive into how we can recreate this in our own business and what, what, what's needed to sustain these types of things. Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge, a software platform for restaurant people by restaurant people. To be successful in the modern age, you need to be efficient by streamlining your processes and creating automation. Simply put, Margin Edge means data streamlined and insights automated. With Margin Edge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. And who likes data entry? No one. So you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with Margin Edge. They will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail. Don't worry about the integration either because Margin Edge allows you to seamlessly connect your POS and accounting systems and get a daily P&L. On top of all of this, Margin Edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes plus Plus, you can compare actual cost versus theoretical cost. Find out why over 3,100 restaurants are thrilled to be using Margin Edge. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for 30 days. There's no contract. There's no setup fee. Plus, you get free unlimited training and support. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. One more time, marginedge.com slash unstoppable. Find out why past guests like Tender Greens and Kava are using Play IQ for their accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Play IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. Now I've told you what's new with play IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with play IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies with bill pay. You can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill. And this is all happening online. So no more paper checks. Play IQ bill pay lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check ACH or Play IQ card. Also, with Play IQ bill pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right, no more flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've got to talk about Play IQ insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom, you get an alert. And then lastly, there's Play IQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to, no more duplications of efforts, and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. So we're back. And um, 
obviously when you started with seven grand, you started as a bar back, you evolved into this, this, what you're calling the spirit guide, uh, paint the picture of what your life is like today with pouring with heart. Like what are all the things you're responsible for from bar backing to the programs you run? Well, I'm no longer working bar shifts. Uh, I was until only about six months ago, seven months ago, I was still pulling a, a bar shift at bar Jackalope, which is our little Japanese inspired, sipping lounge in the back of seven grand. Um, but now I just, I try to keep the company connected to itself. I'm the growth support manager. I've been shooting videos. Uh, I do these video profiles of the porn with heart family. So I go talk to security hosts and barbacks and I'll do like, a. I ask them five questions. I ask them how long they've been with the company and where they got their start. I've got a little deck of question cards, these big talk cards where they, they choose a couple questions that they want to answer. I ask them for a favorite song. And then I ask them which of the shared values they personally relate to the most. And I shoot a little video with them and I cut it to three to five minutes. We do two takes. We do a little cheers for each other at the end. And then we post them up on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And it's mainly to, as we grow the company, keep folks connected to each other so they feel like that bar family is is alive and they start to create relationships even though it's virtual to start off with they have a sense of oh i know that person she works over here at this bar oh i saw i saw her video oh she lit she works down in texas when i go there i'm definitely going to hit her up because we have some common interests or whatever you know like trying to really keep the fabric of our family alive you know by creating these videos and i don't think many companies would invest in someone to go out and, and shoot like profiles videos of folks but it's really important to us as we grow to stay connected and so i shoot videos i go to our monthly workshops like that's what i did yesterday i, I shot i go to lost perlis weho to their monthly workshop and i ask a couple of people they'd be willing to shoot a video with me and i shoot a couple videos i post them up and so we do five posts a week across those five platforms like monday through friday you can see somebody in your company talking about their life and their experiences and their interests, you know? Yeah. You remind um, me of Chris and, Schultz right now, uh, who, uh, is, last I knew he was with voodoo donut. Um, I can't remember his exact title, but he talked about when you're, he did a workshop, he led a workshop on scaling culture and he said, you need culture carriers. And what he meant by that is when you go from one location to three locations to four locations, you pick the people who are the pit or like the perfect example of what you want your culture to be. And you, they, you plant them as a seed in the next location. So they carry that culture, but you get to a certain point where you get so big that you need someone whose job is to constantly echo who we are, what we are, why we are. So that stuff stays front of mind. And that sounds like what your role is today is like you're, you're, you are the, like the spitting example of what you need, what, who we are. So they made it your job just to, to echo that and to bring it out of other people. Is that correct? Yeah. And bring the love. And then the part of my job that the growth support management is, is as we move into new towns, making sure that we're interviewing with more equity and diversity and inclusion and like really being a company that people want to work for as we expand, like learn about the community that you're moving into. Just don't come in here like we're we're from LA. Boom boom. I got my guns blazing. We're gonna do this. We got money. We can make this happen. No 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 no. You come in there with humility. Ask the community what they want. Yeah. And and or, 
you know, reinvigorate what they love. You know, like take over a neighborhood bar and just fix it up, make it nicer, take care of the numbers, make people want to come there more instead of being an old, tired, beat down bar. Like, how do you bring it back to life and like retain that specialness, that unique place and yeah. it, its own history and and make it so that it just runs better yeah. and people are grateful in that community. Like you, you took our community bar and you made it better. Well, that's. That's an achievement. Yeah, man. So this is where you are now at 26 locations. This is your role. But we're not, everyone listening to this isn't at 26 locations. A lot of us only have one location, maybe two or three or four locations, five locations. Uh, when you're at that size, you're, how do you, how do you, what, what does what you're explaining now look like th- at that point? Because I'm sure when, Pouring with heart was only five or six locations. All these things that you're describing weren't happening. That's right. Right. But you were doing it to a a degree. Uh, You were doing a lesser version of it. But so like, so what does paint the picture of what that looks like for the the most common listener? It starts off with that Harkness circle. It starts off with that egalitarian communication forum, creating a safe space where people feel comfortable and sharing their, that they feel like they can talk to their bosses and speak truth to power without retribution. You know, there's no fear. They're safe. That's what you create. And you can do that at the smallest bar. Even if you have six employees, like, well, buy them a nice meal, sit down around the table. Everybody's on the same eye level and ask questions and write it down. You know, I put up a dry erase board and and just ask questions and, and make sure that people they see that you wrote down their idea on the board like you're listening you're taking action on their ideas in real time you're not just like blowing them off you're like putting it up in slack take a picture of the the notes from the workshop and put it up for everybody to see so it's they see that you really are taking them in. You're you're taking their advice and you're moving on it. You're not ignoring them. You're asking them to run the company for you. Yeah. So I think it starts with, hey, team, we want to focus on wellness. What does that look like? What do we have here today? Where is their interest with the team we have on wellness? Is that kind of what I'm hearing as you start with saying this is what we're trying to do? How can what we have now contribute to that overall effort? That's right. You, you have to ask questions and, and listen. And people are like, well, I love French. I would love to. I think it'd be fun to have a French club. Well, would you be willing to lead it? Okay. Well, you know, you create a little budget for that. Like, um, I don't know. It doesn't take a lot of money to create these little interests, but you can help folks make it happen. You know, like organize some events outside of the bar that has nothing to do with drinking that people will want to take part in and that that would be team building all in in and of itself you know and it it gets us away from just the drinking part of it you know because the like i said we got to keep people healthy so creating these alternative activities that are healthy and and but tapping on the interests that are already there using your people and their weirdnesses to make those things happen like okay well this guy loves he's a cycling maniac and like Let's have him lead a, a monthly ride, you know, and really taking the weirdness that you have and, and nurturing it so that you can have this kind of diverse range of experiences for people to take part in. Yeah. So when you said creating a budget. So are you paying? So if I'm a, 
you know, a, a bartender who has a passion for cycling and I want to start a cycling club, are you going to pay me for my time to lead that cycling club? Usually not. We usually not, but we do provide a budget for like, maybe you can buy everybody lunch, but you, you don't have to provide that. We, we can reach out to the brands, you know, the brands have money. So like talk to a brand and be like, Hey, will you guys, will you buy these five folks lunch if they go on a bike ride, you know, and sure. And you know, drink a little bit of whatever their product is. You know what I mean? Like kind of work that angle. Having really good relationships with brands is important. A lot of brands feel like they're kind of like, getting beat up by the bars all the time like the manager's all mad because they didn't get their deliveries on time or whatever it is we try to be welcoming and nurture those relationships with the brands so that we can create experiences for our crews you know like yeah let's throw a party you bring it on let's do this so if, if we're wanting to create um a wellness program how often like paint a picture of what that that schedule might look like what's too much what's too little like, what does that look like? How are you communicating? Is there, are you creating like websites or like, how do you communicate when and where these things are happening? Is there a board? Like what's the well, process? We, we've got a, the company has a knowledge base. We have a lot of how to's um, like you, you make a poster, you know, make a poster for your event. And, and there's a little how to like how to do a Canva uh, poster. And then we'll pay for the printing and just put it out there. You know what I mean? And then, like I said, reach out to some brands. Maybe you can get some food sponsored for folks, you know? And like, it's like that. Um, that would have to come from the general manager and then just have someone whose interest is their personal interest. They, they kind of host it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the general manager would be kind of helping to make that happen. Like, Love it, man. Is there anything we haven't discussed that you were expecting to discuss that didn't come out organically in conversation? Now's the time to get it out. No, the importance of our wellness, I think, is having a wellness program in the bar business, I think, is, is really, really important. Also, um, being really wanting to hire with inclusion and diversity and equity within the company, creating those communication forums where people feel comfortable speaking truth to power. Those are vital essences to what we do. And it, I, I think it's pretty different from maybe the way bar industry has been viewed in the past. Um, really trying to restore nobility to service by giving people a, a livelihood that's that's right and healthy and, and sustainable. Yeah, you, that you, you just hit that one thing that I was going to bring to the conversation, which I don't think we really spoke a lot about, is this idea of bringing nobility back to service. Um, when you say that, what's going through your mind? The idea that bartending is a legitimate career that you are a valuable part of your community as a bartender. You're helping people feel better, just little, one little action after another, You're just trying to help people feel better about life. And like Gaz Regan talked about, like if you've got like 20,000 bartenders across the company, uh, across the country on any given night that are all really just trying to nurture their guests and like they're sending people out the doors and a little bit of love coming out of their heart. If that's exponential. Like all those bartenders are creating because when you, just as when you do someone harm, you don't know what they might do to harm someone else. So not having that, having a place of love, a community hub where people feel loved and then they go out into the world and they, maybe they share some love. And so it, it creates these concentric circles moving outward an exponential power of love that is, is powerful. Ripple if you, effect. 
are mindful of it and you participate in it. Yeah. So this is one idea of, and maybe this is more deep than you're willing to get, but it, it feels like there's almost like this um, starvation, a void of people f- feeling like they're needed and seen and valued in society today. Um, and I'm kind of referencing uh, a line from, uh, I'm always afraid to say his name, but it's the author of Sapiens, uh, A Brief History of Humankind. In Novar Arari, I'm afraid to say his name, but if anybody knows the book, he talks about this in the book where we're no longer, we used to be dependent on family, uh, community, and like church, right? Uh, that That's what held societies together. We needed, we needed each other, we needed our communities, and we needed church. Today, it seems to be that we're dependent on government, commerce, and um, I want to say maybe it's government market or something like that. But the, the idea is we don't need each other anymore where we literally like you're taking a human being, a homo sapien who evolved to need people. It's tribe. If you took one person, you put them alone in the middle of the jungle, they wouldn't have survived. They needed the community. They needed the tribe. They needed to bring value. They needed to, to feel like they were a part in, in contributing to the collective. It's harder and harder to, to do that, I feel like today, because we literally don't need each other, uh, because we have the government, we have market, we, we, we're more isolated than ever before. We're less seen than ever before. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? Well, I strongly do what we do to deal with that situation. The fact that people feel so estranged from one another and that you can just be in on your phone and not have to interact with anyone at all you can totally silo yourself if you want that that's why we do what we do is to overcome that like we're trying to break people out of that and give them what they so direly need to be seen connection yeah Yeah. and heard Mm -hmm. and and to feel safe and to feel like they've got an opportunity a real chance that they're not stuck in this world where they're they're the have-nots you know what i mean like let's make it so that everybody can have. Yeah. And there truly is nobility in service of being to value to other people. And I think that we need to kind of be a little more conscious about providing the ver- the verticals to be of service to each other because we desperately need it uh, to, to bring back mental health, to, to get the, the chemicals our body naturally releases. We need, we need to bump up against each other. We need, we need to create these opportunities, these moments in time to, to release these chemicals internally by engaging and being valued and loved and recognized. Um, and that's at the core of all this that I heard today. I think that's what you guys are doing is you're, you're creating opportunities for your people to be seen and valued and, and to contribute to, and what happens, the natural progression is growth. That's right. I love it, man. Um, we do have one question that came in uh, from Ramon. He was curious about the uh, the company you mentioned that does your your uh, inventory. Do you want to? Do you know the name of the company? Uh, I can't remember the name of the company off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the bars aren't big enough where they can afford that. So the, the the bar leadership teams they actually keep track of the inventory. But yeah, we at seven grand at least we've we've got a third party that comes in and weighs all the bottles. Uh, but there's plenty of, of companies out there that do that. I mean, we've got it going on down in Texas as well. Just better tracking. Um, you know, you just take it off of the shoulders of your people, keep it separate. And so that way, you know, no one's playing with the numbers. You know that it is it is what it is. Mm-hmm. 
Love it. Awesome stuff. Uh, we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. Who's somebody you respect and admire, uh, preferably somebody who has equity in a business. I, I'm trying, I like to talk to owners, uh, or leaders within the organization. Who do you respect and admire in this industry and believe would make a great guest mentor like he made for us today? Stephanie Aguilar. She is general manager. She started off as bar back at seven grand worked in her way up and was, uh, the manager at bar Jackalope and then moved to Texas and, is now overseeing the 405, which is Seven Grand, Las Perlas, and Kanye, all in one location on 7th and Trinity in, in Austin. And she's just amazing, gangbusters, and she's the future of our company, you know? No, Women Stephanie? of color taking charge of making it happen. And drop that name on us one more time. Stephanie Aguilar. You can go see her at Seven Grand in Austin. Stephanie, look, I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. I'm a frequent visitor of Austin, so it's only a matter of time. And um, how can we connect with you? Like I mentioned, um, you you got other things going on. Uh, you host a podcast as well. I think now is probably a good time to, to plug that. And uh, how we can connect with you if we want to continue the conversation, social handles, things like that. Well, you can... Check me out on the Instagram handle for Pouring With Heart, at Pouring With Heart. Uh, you'll see all those videos that I'm putting up every day. Uh, I can also be reached via email, pedro at pouringwithheart.com. Uh, and you can come do yoga with me. Just hit the link in my bio at, on Instagram, which is at P Shanahan. Uh, P-S-H-A-N-A-H-A-N. It's free for anybody in the hospitality business wants to join me Wednesdays and Fridays at 10.30 a.m. Pacific time. We'll get down and sweaty, do some yoga. Uh, so, And then check out the podcast, the Spirit Guide Society podcast. Uh, we're trying to encourage the hosts of – I no longer host most of the events, but we were – shooting our tasting events and then posting them up for our podcast. But now I'm trying to encourage the people that I've helped to train to host the societies at the different single spirit bars to kind of make their own and then submit to our podcast. So we're trying to grow that out again, but we're still coming out of COVID. So we're still getting our legs under us here. January was rough. Omicron was a pain in the butt. So <laughs> we're, we're still, we're still, we've got years of, recovery ahead of us but we got to come at it with that compulsion of love make shit better every day pedro thank you so much for taking the time to share your story to share your knowledge to inspire us uh there is no questioning my man you are unstoppable thank you eric it's great to talk with you love to talk to you again sometime take care that'd be great i'm sure it'll happen cheers brother There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Pedro Shanahan, for showing us that, man, no matter who you are in the restaurant, no matter what your role is, you can add value. You can add culture to the collective. And uh, you proved that today for us. Pedro, thank you so much. So we got a lot of cool things happening over in the network. I want to make sure you're aware of. Uh, If you're interested in the company, Bicky, which is identifies as a CRM platform, customer relationship management platform for the restaurant industry, uh, then you want to be joining us live at 2 p.m. on Monday next week with Abhinav Kapoor, who is the CEO of Bicky, who's going to be answering any of the questions you have regarding that. Uh, we've actually been pushing this uh, live session back uh, 
a little bit now. If you haven't checked out my episode with, with Abhinav, I highly recommend you go check that out. Uh, and then on Wednesday, we have Restaurant 365 uh, slash Compete. I don't know. We actually decide we're going to be going with Compete. So what's going on here is Bob Sloop from Kaizen Management is coaching Michael McGovern from Amika's Pizza in Salida, Colorado, basically helping them on board with Compete, a enterprise solution. And we're recording the whole process. So if you're interested in going with an enterprise solution, whether that be Compete or Restaurant 365, you can see what that process of onboarding looks like. And on Wednesday at 12 p.m., right off the heels of that live session, we have the chief strategic officer for Miso Robotics joining us, Jake Brewer, to talk about the history of Miso Robotics, where they are today, and what it takes to get Miso Robotics or just like a robot into your restaurant and what the future of robotics looks like. That's going to be Wednesday, May 4th at 12 p.m. And Right off the heels of that, I'm headed to New York City. We're going to get David Rodelitz on the show, and he is behind Fly Fish Club with Gary Vanderchuk. Uh, they're doing a completely, uh, a, I don't know how to say this, uh, it's, a, it's an NFT restaurant where that's basically how they're collecting payment solely through NFTs. So interested to learn a lot more about that. And we're going to be reconnecting with the past guest, Kevin O'Donnell on my way back from New York. I'm stopping in uh, Rhode Island. So lots of cool stuff coming your way. Stay tuned. You're in for a treat until next time. Peace out.